Hey, 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 it's your favorite career coach, Crystal Williams, and you are now tuned in to the Peculiar Career Chit Chat Podcast. I'm back in the Peculiar Palace on the mic again this week to not only empower and position you to be all you can be to thrive in your career, but to also give you peculiar strategies that infuse faith to accelerate in your nine to five career journey. Let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, I am Crystal Williams. I'm an ambitious, savvy, approachable, and resilient career coach through my business, the U-Brand Academy. And I specialize in rewiring the mindsets of nine to five professionals through strategic career coaching and assist them in reclaiming authority, victory, and happiness in their nine to five career journey. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us once again this week. I have a very special guest in the building. His name is Dr. Mario. And, you know, I'm not even going to try to introduce him, but I'm just going to throw the mic over to him so he can introduce himself. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be able to talk to you and the listeners today. Um, To tell you a little bit about myself, um, my name is Dr. Mario Jackson. I'm a professional coach and speaker. I help mid-career professionals make successful life transitions. And those transitions could be anything from relocating to a new city or starting a new business or a side gig or just simply trying to live their best lives or the lives they've always dreamed about. So um, my background is... A little interesting. Uh, I come from the higher education field where I've been a faculty member and administrator for several universities for the last 20 years. So I have observed a lot of the issues and points that people get stuck on that prevent them from achieving the goals that they want or the results they want in life. So I'm bringing all of my teaching background and experience in learning to coaching to help mid-career professionals really get over the humps that are preventing them from getting the results they want out of life. Now, I told you one of the life transitions that I work with is moving and relocating. I recently relocated from Washington, D.C. to Puerto Rico. So I've been living here on La Isla Encantado for uh, almost a year now. Uh, and it's an amazing experience. It's something that I'm so grateful for and, and glad that I had an opportunity to start this journey because it isn't over. It's just the first phase. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you know I'm a bit jealous of that move. <laughs> but... I wish you nothing but <laughs> over there. I know you're doing great things. So today we are going to be talking about this topic about accelerating imposter syndrome and the ex- unexpected consequences of pandemic fatigue. I don't know about you, but I've definitely heard a lot of people say, you know, I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I can go on. I don't feel like I even belong in this room with these individuals. And that is a a classic sign of imposter syndrome. So we're just going to dig deep into that today in this conversation. But first, let's um, just give some definitions, okay? Because we said a whole lot in that. The pandemic fatigue, like what is that? 
Do you have a specific definition for that, Dr. Mario? Well, it's interesting that you you talk about pandemic fatigue because I've experienced this and I didn't even know it had a name, right? I heard pandemic fatigue being, being thrown around in the media, uh, you know, amongst some of the conversations I was having with my colleagues and, and, and friends, but I didn't have a firsthand experience of this, but I really did and didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of give us a framework, uh, pandemic fatigue by definition is the mental exhaustion caused by being in a state of heightened awareness and alertness in the face of COVID. And that's combined with the uncertainty of how COVID is going to progress and proceed. So for me, I hit this point around September or October of last year where I just felt burned out. And it's it's it was so different from any kind of like career burnout that I felt. It was just like a total body experience. Like I didn't want to get up in the morning, like early in the morning. I'm not an early person, but, you know, I like to get up with the feeling that I'm energized and ready to go about the day. That was not happening. Um, I was also having a lot of issues with fatigue, like no matter how much I tried to exercise or, you know, stay active, I was just tired all the time. But for me, the hallmark was just not being able to focus, like having, like being in a fog, right? Like, like you can't really focus on anything for too long. Like my thoughts were racing. I think about something for a couple of seconds and I'm off to something else. And it was just really hard to be productive with that. So uh, I don't know if you can relate to that, but that was my experience with, with pandemic fatigue. Absolutely. I can definitely relate with that. Um, I, I, I think it was near the beginning of the pandemic because um, I have a two-year-old daughter so, of course, she could not even go to daycare anymore. Matter of fact, her daycare was actually shut all the way down. So she's still not in daycare because we have to find other you know, places for her to go. But in the beginning of the pandemic, I was just exhausted trying to run a full-time business, being fairly new in the entrepreneur game and raising her at the same time. It was a, it was a bit difficult because I had to really adjust to this, adapt to it. Yes. I have my husband to help me out and we are a very great team. But again, this was new territory for us. So again, we was just kind of like frustrated. We got a little irritable. And those are all classic signs or those hallmark signs of the pandemic being fatigued because it didn't just last for a few weeks. It lasted for a couple of months. And we're like, man, we still now have a, a legit schedule yet. Like what's going on? So, I mean, all of that plays into like how you feel mentally, how you feel physically and how you how you just relate to one another as well. So, I mean, I definitely can relate with that story. So, yes, it pandemic fatigue y'all is really serious, (laughs) especially if you can't go anywhere like you normally go. I mean, you could want to go to the park with your child. You may want to go to the mall, but you can't do those things on a regular basis because you have to be so cautious in everything. I mean, you could probably do it now, but again, that's your level of of, of what you feel like you could do within this pandemic. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think one of the things, like I, I mentioned, is so important is that 
you may not even know what you're experiencing. So I think this conversation we're having today is important because I hope it, it kind of lives in everybody's brains as this seed that if you start experiencing some of these, these symptoms that we've been describing, that a bell will go off and say, you know what, this might be pandemic fatigue, what I'm experiencing, because it just doesn't fit into any other construct. That I have. It's not depression. It's not, not anxiety. It's just this really generic feeling of blah, right? <laughs> like you just have lost interest in doing a lot of things, but it may not necessarily be something that is on the same scale as like depression or anxiety. I totally agree with that. So did you want to give the audience a little bit more about pandemic fatigue? I mean, we could go definitely into how... Sure you know, it affects men, women, it affects, you know, younger, older people a little bit differently. I think one of the most interesting things that I've learned about pandemic fatigue is that there are some gender differences in the way, uh, how we experience uh, pandemic fatigue. So um, there was a study uh in Time Magazine that was conducted by CARE that found that women are almost three times as likely as men to report suffering from significant mental health consequences like anxiety, loss of appetite, uh, inability to sleep, or completing their everyday tasks uh, as a result of a pandemic fatigue. Now, as the researchers dug down a little bit more into that, one of the areas where they found that women were having a lot more anxiety was around finances and the economic impact of the pandemic. So in the United States, for example, from February to May of last year, 11.5 women, uh, 11.5 million women were laid off compared to 9 million men. So there is a distinct difference in the way that pandemic fatigue shows up based on gender, right? Um, We also know that when we start talking about the differences between uh, the generations, um, our younger generations' behaviors change significantly compared to older uh, generations. So older generations were found to be more compliant with uh, protective behaviors against coronavirus. So mask compliance, social distancing, you know, hygiene, washing of the hands constantly. We found that in the beginning of the pandemic, that older generations tended to be more vigilant with these types of protective behaviors compared to our younger generations. As the pandemic continued, though, what was interesting about that study was that uh, when we got a little bit later on in the, the course and the progression of the pandemic, those two levels started to normalize, right? So that's a sign of that fatigue just wears on us all to the point that it will impact the the way that we behave and how we approach protecting ourselves from this this virus. So if you're experiencing some of this, it may not necessarily be that, you know, you just don't want to, you know, wear your mask anymore. It's just the exacerbation of how long we've been doing this that is weighing on all of us to the point that, it becomes a task, a chore, and something that just feels like it's so heavy for us to keep continuing uh, continue doing. Absolutely. And you touched on some awesome statistics as far as like the difference between how many men versus women have been 
laid off throughout the pandemic, which leads me to talk about the yes. how, how individuals experience pandemic fatigue, specifically the unemployed, like, <laughs> and how it can ultimately right. lead to imposter syndrome because you're so, you have all these skills, right? And then you automatically find yourself unemployed. And now you're trying to look for places that will employ you in all your skills and all your value that you have to bring. But then you get no call back, they're crickets, and you're like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden you can think like, am I not qualified enough? Am I not skillful enough? Do they not like what I what my brand portrays on paper, meaning what your resume states? Do they not like my interview skills? All of that can set in and that can really throw off the person who you really are, which brings in those imposterous thoughts, which really, you know, that that's the clear sign of the pandemic fatigue or what it can do to you when you are unemployed. And for my employed individuals, you know, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you're single, maybe you're married with a family where you may be in my case where you're juggling full-time um, uh, entrepreneurship, trying to run a business and take care of your family at the same time when that wasn't their, your reality prior to the pandemic, but now it is. And that can right. you significantly. So you guys, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm there with you. Stay encouraged out there. Get the help you need if it is wearing on you mentally. Because we don't want you out here, you know, doing anything crazy, but we want you to get the help you need and to really nourish your mind within this season. Yeah, you you are hitting on so many things, right, that we could probably spend hours talking about. But I just want to highlight a couple of things. Right. So you mentioned this, this difference of how we experience not only imposter syndrome, but pandemic fatigue um, for the unemployed and the employed. So there have been some research studies that have come out uh, in the last year or so that, that show a lot of people stop looking for jobs after the unemployment insurance runs out. Now, this flies in the face of conventional thinking. And when I'm talking about conventional thinking, I'm talking about the thinking of policymakers and law, lawmakers up there in, in Washington, D.C., who were so reluctant to, number one, approve these benefits being extended and for a substantially longer amount of time, right? The, the, the conventional wisdom of that point was that, well, there's no incentive to look for a job if we're sending you this check every month. So this research is, is, has caused that, uh, caused us to be able to shine a light on showing how false that, that type of thinking is. But what the research found was that once that unemployment insurance runs out, the opposite is what, what happens. People become defeated. They're no longer really motivated to look for a job because they've gone through this long period of rejection. And to your point, they're starting to feel like they're not good enough. So they lose confidence, which results in them just giving up the search completely. So the message that I want listeners to, to walk away with today is it's like, that Finding Nemo movie, right? Dory kept saying, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. You got to keep swimming, right? You may not know where you're swimming to. You may not know how long it's going to take you to swim there, but you cannot stop. You have to keep going because the inevitability of 
our current situation is that there is an end point to this at some point in the future. We don't know when, right? But it's inevitable. Pandemics start and they end. You know, that's how we've seen it roll out through history. So you want to make sure that you are doing what it's what's necessary for you to be able to thrive and survive during this pandemic. And the one way you can do that is just keep swimming. Absolutely. I love it. I mean, I know we've been talking about this term imposter syndrome, but we really haven't defined exactly what it was or what it is. So let's go ahead and do that right now. So when you think of imposter syndrome, it's an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be, or you don't just, you don't feel like you have the confidence enough to be in the room with people who you know you are well qualified to be in the room with, or you don't feel like your voice matters. Right. Mm. Right. So that's a, a powerful def- definition, right? This thought that we have that we are somehow not worthy enough in spite of all of our success, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm, I'm going to go a little religious here for a Let's second. Let's do it. Let's Coming do it. Because that is why I do this podcast to have these peculiar conversations, other conversations you're not going to find anywhere else. <laughs> Well, you know, I always remember the older adults in congregation and the congregation saying, he didn't bring you this far to leave you now, right? And in that phrase or that mantra has been, you know, remixed, reiterated in, in many different fashions, right? Mm-hmm. But I truly believe that. Whether you believe in, you know, a higher power or your spiritual person, you have not come along this journey just to fall off the road, right? I think we get confused sometimes when we have to veer off in a different direction or the pavement on the road suddenly disappears and now we're on a dirt road and it's really rocky, right? But that's how life continues to develop and shape us so that we can go out and tell our story to the people who need to hear it the most. So when you talk about imposter syndrome, that's, that's a personal thing for me because I wish I could tell you I've only experienced this once, but I experience this at frequently, right? In, in all stages of my career, every time I'm in a situation where I have to do something new, I'm back to, you know, having those imposterous thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. It happened to me on my first consulting project. It happened to me the first time I had to teach a class. It happened to me when I was going to grad school. It happened to me when I was writing my dissertation. But guess what? I've learned now that that's just a part of my internal voice. That's where my brain just wants to be lazy and it doesn't want to do the work. So the best way to get to get me off the hook is to tell myself some crazy excuse like I'm not good enough, right? So we can just quit yeah. now. Before you embarrass yourself, you're not good enough. So when you talk about imposter syndrome, again, that whole saying of you need to keep swimming, you've got to keep swimming, right? Because there are certain things that I think in dealing with imposter syndrome, I don't know that you ever overcome it, but as you are are learning about yourself, it puts you in a space where you now get to learn something different about who you are and what you're capable of doing. So the pandemic, of course, 
has pushed us all into or out of our comfort zones, right? We all had to learn how to do something new, right? For the person who was leaving home in the morning at 5.30 a.m. to catch the, the train to work, you don't do that anymore. So now what do you do at that time? you got to learn how to do something different, right? For the person like me who was used to staying at home and working all day and look forward to being able to go out when my work was done, I don't have that anymore, right? So I had to learn, like, how do I really make this balance work when I don't have the other side of the equation? So naming this, I think, is really important. You, you have to name what it is that you're battling. You know, you need to know the name of your enemy. And the moment you are able to give it name, you then put your spe- yourself in a space to take action, right? So what are some actions that you may be able to take away or to be able to uh, use to overcome imposter syndrome? The first one, I think, is just becoming aware of it and then being able to start reframing it, right? So in this last experience that I had with imposter syndrome, it wasn't as bad as the rest, the previous ones, right? Because I knew what was going on. I knew what my brain was doing. But I kept reframing what I was experiencing in a different way. So uh, a real concrete example, Um, you know, running a qualitative research analysis that would typically take somewhere between one and maybe two years. I had to do it in a matter of like eight weeks. Right. So instead of myself telling myself, I can't do this, I reframed that. I was like, okay, what do I know? What, what can I use to make this work? So I'd already bought into the, the idea that it was going to work. I just need to figure it out, right? And then after I kind of did that a couple of times through all the various tasks I had to complete, I was able to see where my progress occurred. So you need to measure your success as well. So naming what it is that you're going through, reframing and measuring your success or your progress. I think those are three key strategies that you can use to overcome imposter syndrome. I love it. I love it. Really, I love it so much that you said all of that. That was very strategic, very practical um, things to take away, you guys. So I hope you are, are taking notes. <laughs> And if not, <laughs> and play it over again and take those notes. But you definitely need to, I, I totally agree with you in reframing the mindset. It, that just shows how you are shifting your mindset as you journey along your career, in your business, or in life in general, right? So you must ask, in order to really shape your mindset, you can't, you have to really change your language as well. You know, you can't say no longer, it's no longer am I, am I qualified? Am I good enough? Am I, am I supposed to be in this room? But it's, I am enough. I am qualified. So when you make that shift in your language, that little small shift, and those are two words, two little yes. two words, they just reverse. So instead of saying, am I, you're, I am. And you are saying that with conviction. You're saying that in positivity. You're saying that with um, 
extra, extra confidence that you need in order to be the best version of you. And that's really how you're going to conquer or overcome imposter syndrome within this pandemic or just in life in general. Because like you said, Dr. Mario, I mean, imposter syndrome can creep up at any time. It does not discriminate no matter your skill set, no matter your, your, your backgrounds or what you have, your degree, your expertise. It does not matter. Imposter syndrome does not discriminate. So if you're feeling like you're all alone and you're experiencing these symptoms by yourself, <laughs> listen, you're not, you're not yes. alone. And I can just give you a statistic on that. Over 70% of professionals have experienced or are experienced imposter syndrome. And then with the pandemic, it just accelerates that feeling. Thank you for joining me in the Peculiar Palace for another episode of the Peculiar Career Chit Chat Podcast. I pray this episode empowered and inspired you to go forth and conquer your career journey. So I'll catch you here next time.